Welcome to a bonus episode of United Ireland. So there's a lot of unknowns about the summer um, and all of the fun that we could be having and that we might be having. What we do know is that um, festival land is still very much up for grabs, I suppose. Lots of things are being cancelled. Lots of things are being rolled back. Things that were knocked into the summer of 2021 from 2020 um, are being pulled. There's very obvious reasons for that. Um, but it is sad to see the likes of uh, Longitude and Sea Sessions and so on get bumped into uh, the summer of 2022. But at the same time, uh, in a world where it has become extraordinarily difficult to run, or the, even the idea of trying to run a festival or live events, um, or th- or art that people can go to in real life, uh, at least in, in some part, um, there is a arts festival happening for ten over ten days in June. It's called Brightening Air. Um, and one of the people behind it is Nisha Nunn. So we thought we'd have him on to have a chat about how on earth you managed to pull off a arts festival in this uh, context and what it's all about, because it looks very, very juicy. Nisha, welcome to United Ireland. Thank you, Una. Yeah, juicy. It is juicy. Can you first um, of all tell me what you do in your in your pre-pandem life? Uh, so myself and my wife, Maria Schwepp, have a company called uh, Schwepp Curtis Nunn, and we produce um, festivals and events. <clears throat> I have a history going back with festivals, back to the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival, basically since it started back in the mid-90s in Kilkenny, uh, and uh, I work on, on on festivals. I produce the Minefield Arena at Electric Picnic since 2006, uh, and before that, the Leviathan Political Cabaret. I also work on Kilkenomics, and we found, which is the economics festival in Kilkenny. And we founded Kilkenny Animated with Cartoon Saloon, which is a, a festival of animation and cartoons in Kilkenny. So, uh, and then Maria works on projects like the Irish Times Theatre Awards, uh, and she uh, most significantly works and produces the the Bram Stoker Festival for Falch Ireland and DCC. Which is a Braille festival. Yeah, Love and, that. She, and, she, and and Maria is the lead, the lead producer on this uh, on this project, Brightening mm-hmm. Air. So obviously, um, you know, things fall apart and things fell apart uh, for everyone in the live event sector um, at the outset of last year. Yet there were, there was there was like literally, I think, a couple of fortnights in the year where some semblance of uh, live experience became possible um, and you managed to to kind of get into that little gap yourself like we won't talk about all of the things that that didn't happen last year but but what did you manage to kind of conceive of or get over the line in any kind of meaningful way? Um, well, there was Maria uh, Maria Moynihan Lee who who put together, who used to be involved in uh, St Patrick's Festival, put together a really interesting space in Galway on a site which was a campsite uh, just near Salt Hill, and called it the Galway Summer Garden. And she managed to kind of set out this kind of panopticon of uh, bell tents around a central uh, a central stretch tent. I managed to put on um, a lot of uh, kind of live performances, um, a theatre show and some music shows and so on. And she asked me to go down and and put together something similar to what we do in Minefield at Electric Picnic. So kind of spoken word and 
um, a bit of kind of cabaret stuff and some comedy and and, and so on. Um, and I put together a program uh, of that uh, for Galway Summer Garden. And basically, I think five days or four days before we were due to go down and I had the program confirmed and everything, um, and it, it, the the additional the the Dublin lockdown happened. Mm. So a lot of the a lot of uh, a lot of my uh, uh, a lot of the people that I that I that I booked to do and programmed to come down to Galway. Um, were now trapped in Dublin um, and couldn't travel. Uh, so we ended up doing a minimal amount, but it was, it was you know, we, we still managed to put on uh, a bit of comedy and music. Paddy Cullivan did a, did a historical musical. I did a chat with Luke O'Neill, um, who was by then, you know, kind of mid, mid-career uh, in, in terms of his pandemic notoriety. Mm. Uh, and then we had uh, lovely chats between Mike McCormick and uh, and Elaine Feeney, who are who are local, so they were you know able to travel. And um, so it, it was brilliant to be able to do something, um, but it was it was not as much as we were as we could have done. And it really kind of under it underlines the the, the huge difficulty that everybody in our business has had over the last fourteen months, which is that if you can put on anything at all, um, you're planning on a very very short cycle. And you're aiming at a moving target all the time, mm. uh, so it's kind of exhausting to be working in this world. If you can manage to get the work at all, and we've been kind of privileged, and we're very, we feel very lucky to have been able to continue to work. Um, but it's it's like it's four times the work for one quarter the output, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is your your vocation and your and your job and your work and your passion and all of that. I wonder. Before we get to talk about about brightening air, um, was there a point when you were, you know, firing things at aiming target targets and and they were, you know, maybe glancing them or sometimes hitting them uh, in terms of preparation, um, that you just thought, you know what, I'm just gonna batten down the hatches for a year, a year and a half, and not fight the context and see what's coming out the other side. I mean, in a in a much 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 smaller um version of that like let's say you know all of the online festivals the online talks um all those kind of things like obviously doing talks and performing poems and doing performance lectures and stuff at festivals and events and all that kind of stuff is a huge part of my work and I, I did a couple of the online things and I was like, I actually just cannot do this. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's too draining and depressing and not fulfilling. It's not giving me anything. I'm not convinced it's giving the audience a tremendous amount. So I'm just, I'm just not going to fight the context. I'm just going to like not do anything basically that is not um, real life. Like, did you have any feelings about that or were you just like, no, I'm going to try and like me and Maria are going to try and like manifest something out into the real space. Yeah, I mean, definitely we had that. It was a real roller coaster, you know, and I mean, like difficult psychologically, you know, when you're used to you know, making events for 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 people in real life. Um, I mean, the thing is that we, you know, we kind of didn't have a choice in one way in that we, we you know, we had to keep working. The other thing is that I, I suppose the big, the big, the big challenge that came along, I mean, having, having, you know, realized that absolutely electric picnic was not going to happen in any way uh, last September. Um, we did have uh, the Bram Stoker festival mm. and there were possibilities for 
what what was going to happen. But as I was, you know, talking about the Galway Summer Garden, I mean, soon after that happened, you know, the lockdown, you, the lockdown in Dublin kind of intensified, um, and obviously, you, you know, Dublin City Council and, and Falch Ireland had to be, you know, careful not to not to be. Um, encouraging people to to come into town, you know, and that's like it, it. It kind of runs against every bone in your body when you're when you're running events to kind of you know to be running events where you're encouraging people not to come together and not to experience things, you know. So it's it was odd, but you know, Maria was still able to put together a really interesting program for Bram Stoker Festival. There was the Mockness at Home, which was a which was a huge hit, you know. It was a series of videos done with the Mockness creatives and makers who did uh, like online classes with people at home. Yeah, and I think uh, where Stoker, the Stoker Festival was successful is because it had that sense of interactivity yeah. and experience that's not looking at your screen. Like I remember lying in bed in the dark, listening to that like super spooky audio uh, story play yeah, piece. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Can you remember the name? Oh God, I can't. It was, it was, well. it was called something uh, like not resurrection or or something like that, but really, really stimulating. And I remember like kind of holding on to that thing because it was like, oh, this is something that has happened. You know, this is this is a piece of art that I have yeah. experienced. And it wasn't until the 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 galleries opened briefly in December that it managed to like get a snatch of that again at the Mondrian exhibition. So like. Yeah. Thinking about all of those things where really you you guys exist in the real world and that it is as much in, in as much as you can to actually give people an experience in this context. When you were looking towards um, this summer, what were you thinking? Because I know a lot of us were thinking maybe last summer, oh, well, you know, next summer will be OK. Yeah, I mean, so the Brightening Air project came out of um, it, it's an, it came out of an arts council initiative. So it's funded by the arts council uh, and the government, uh, and it came out of an initiative, the Survive, Adapt, Renew report, which was a, an expert group that was put together last year by the arts council. And one of the recommendations was um, to produce a, to produce an event uh, that was originally due to take place kind of last last winter uh, called Wintering Out. Mm. Um, and we won the tender for that, uh, for that to produce that project. But by the time we won it, it was clear that, you know, the, it, it was really not going to be possible to do events of of any, you know, of any meaningful description during the winter. Um, and so, kind of recalibrated, and it became, you know, we made, uh, we designed a, a, an open call um, uh, to, out to the arts community, uh, the arts culture community, to to submit. Um, ideas for events that could take place and kind of you know the that what we were looking for was adaptability because you know that exhaustible exhausting adaptability but the adaptability to be able to to produce something meaningful that people could experience and engage with um no matter what the public health restrictions might be um and also something that kind of spoke to the the breadth of of um art form in ireland the geographical spread across the country and also kind of spoke to a sense of 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 hope you know and uh we we aimed at the dates the, the 11th of june to the 20th of june you know coming up to just the day before the summer solstice so the mid midpoint of the year and that's you know we, at that point we had to say you can't be aiming at moving targets that there had to be a fixed target and that became the fixed target 
Uh, and then in the whole process of of kind of assessing all the applications, which were amazing. You know, we got we got nearly two hundred applications in. Wow. You know, for for arts events and digital digital arts events, um, it was oversubscribed. You know, the, the budget the budget for all the projects is a million euros. We had applications for for twelve million euros and some amazing stuff and stuff that, you know, we would have loved to put on in different circumstances. But <clears throat> you know, having regard and and kind of <clears throat> trying to trying to figure out and trying to guess, have an educated guess at what was going to be possible in June. We we picked what we picked, you know, and it it, it very much speaks to all of those things and all of the all of the pillars that we kind of set down in terms of the programming uh and then we, we there's just been a kind of a bit of serendipity now you know that we're, we seem to be hitting you know we're going to be hitting brightening air from the 11th of june to the 20th of june um with projects that are that are just ideally suited to the level of you know the level of public health restrictions that would be there but with a sense of hope and a sense of brightening air you know so it's it's uh it's exciting and there's been a bit of a bit of luck and serendipity involved you know but it, but a huge amount of thought and effort went into picking the projects and making sure that they they you know could be delivered in a really meaningful way and just as you say you know <clears throat> you know that sense of the of of people consuming culture through a screen you know it is exhausting there there's one positive aspect to it in that you know all of the technology and the expertise and the skills that people in the arts and culture sector have have kind of developed over the last 14 months will be used you know to be able to give access access to people who would wouldn't ordinarily be able to access the arts and culture true if they're, you know if they're homebound or if they're you know agoraphobic or you know if 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 you know or just if they don't if they don't ordinarily engage with the arts these are, you know, new channels through which which people can can be reached. But I think, in a general sense, for most of us, you know, that that sense of 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 communion, of being in a place uh, with other people, and and you know, uh, interacting and, and experiencing arts exp- experiences is is something we've all missed hugely and are, are dying to get back to. And it just can't be replicated on screen. You know, mm. I mean, we we took decisions. I mean, like Kilconomics which is the economics and comedy festival we do in Kilkenny, people said, oh, why don't you do it online? Do it online. I said, no, it's completely misses the point of Kilkenomics. You know, you've got to be there. You know, we don't, we generally don't do podcasts and we don't do video of Kilkenomics because we say to people, you've got to be there. You know, the, the experience is about being in the room with other people. It's about talking to economists and uh, journalists at the bar afterwards. It's about meeting people on the bridge in Kilkenny and having a chat about, um, uh, you know, non-fungible tokens and all that kind of thing, you know? Um, so we skipped that, you know, and then, I mean, Bram, Bram, uh, the, the Kilkenny animated, we managed to do something because, um, I, I came up with a scheme to do projections of, of the Wolfwalkers film, the Cartoon Saloon feature, which was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, and we did some short clips, uh, some short extracts from that, which were developed by one of the directors of the film. And we worked with Algorithm to put up projections on the wall of Kilkenny Castle. So they were there for the whole month of October. So, you know, thousands of people in Kilkenny, even under lockdown, were able to experience that. Um, and we managed to... God knows how, but we managed to get a thousand people 
watching the film actually in the cinema as well. Wow. Just so there's a, there's been a bit of luck involved, you know, in terms of, you know, just just kind of managing to to find the window in the in the restrictions to be able to do something meaningful, but as I said, it's it it is exhausting. Mm. So tell me about some of the stuff um at Brightening Air because when I first was looking at it, one of the things that really appealed to me was like, oh, loads of this stuff is outdoor, you know, yeah. um obviously, you know, uh, we know that that is increasingly, you know, something that happens uh, in a op- in an open space at a vast distance from the audience is kind of like the art that is going to work uh, for yeah. the foreseeable. And then the more kind of it's not necessarily online stuff as as you you guys are framing it as digital experience. Uh, some of that too is outdoor. Some of that you you kind of engage with yourself at home, but. It doesn't have the kind of uh, flatness of here's just a talk we've moved online or we're just like filming this uh, play and here it is. Although, yeah. of course, those can be really beautiful productions. I mean, I think one of the the I think when you have the the real production chops and the um, talent and the the kind of emotion of a piece and you are like streaming it or whatever, if it's a really good production, it can work really well. I mean, I think Other Voices Courage series is a really exact, excellent example of that. But like yeah, the, people who, yeah. the people who make that are in the business of filming yeah. uh, music, you know, for a screen. So they know but, what they're yeah, doing. But like broad and, and like really high-end broadcast quality, which costs yeah. a lot of money. You yeah, know? yeah. So tell me about some of, some of the, the um, some of the program, basically. Yeah, I mean, we're like, as I said, you know, huge amount of thinking went into it, myself and Maria and also Joe Mangan um, of Carlo Arts Festival, who's our kind of digital consultant. And she she just brought a huge amount to the project in terms of really trying to understand um, understand the, 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 the role of new technologies and how they can be made, as, as you say, you know, more, you know, less less 2D, you know, so. So most of the projects really do, you know, have an in-person element to them. I think there's four that are purely online, but most of them, you know, have have a, a real a, an in-real-world aspect. So you've got light ballet, which is which is the kind of the spectacle of the piece. So light ballet is a, is a, a light sculpture, and um, by Mick Murray with the soundtrack by David Kitt, which is mounted on a boat which goes down the Shannon from Carrick on Shannon down to Killaloo over the course of the of the ten days of the program. So you'll see this light light sculpture in the sky with a music soundtrack, which you'll be able to listen to on your phone on a link. Um, and that goes down goes down the river, and we just think that's a a lovely way, you know, of kind of anchoring the thing and offering a kind of a, a you know an over an, an overhanging kind of um lit canopy to, to to the program that goes down the spine of the country um that's obviously an outdoor thing you'll encounter that you know in in all of the counties that are bordering the shannon along the length of the shannon um then you've got uh, richard richard moss which is a really exciting exhibition which is Richard Moss um, of Kilkenny, but it's an artist with a huge uh, international reputation. And there are two exhibitions coming together, Incoming and Grid Moria. Uh, and they both talk, they both kind of speak to experiences of I- immigrants, um, of the, the refugee and migrant crisis in, in Europe, but but also elsewhere in the world. Uh, and that's that's something that can be experienced outdoors. 
I'm yeah. very interested in in yeah. the in um this uh like I just love that you're I, I will actually be able to see these things in real life um but I I also am really interested in this um the setting of the brown factory in Carlo yeah. what's going yeah. on there so that's really exciting so anyone who's driven through Carlo well before the motorway anyway will have passed by the brown factory which is absolutely immense industrial site which has been vacant for I, probably a decade and a half more in Carlo town um and so uh, visual um visual gallery and Carlo arts festival have come together to put together this incredibly ambitious exhibition um which features the work of i think more than 40 women at this stage and it's about you know women's interaction with technology and with um the industrial space uh, and so on and it's so first and foremost it's a film which is filmed in the building um and then there are you know 30 40 different um digital and real world artworks which will be uh, which will be filmed which will be presented online and then there'll also be um experiences to be had on the site of the brown factory so having been been given the 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 blessing of of 15 gatherings of 15 people outside there will be experiences people will be able to have and interact with the exhibits um at the brown factory itself which would be really interesting for people in carlo you know because this 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 kind of um this monster kind of leviathan structure has been there all this time and and, and it's a way for them to kind of interact with it but it's yeah it's this is like a like this site uh, or the factory is like nearly quarter of a million square foot yeah yeah Nisha, how do we get this factory to have like amazing, massive raves in it? I know. And <laughs> um, part part of the the film the film is actually called the lonely the lonely weekend, and it's uh it's it's kind of uh, it's grounded in the notion of a kind of a of a rave or of a <clears throat> of a night out. Um, uh, people actually people would be really interested. There's a really great website which they put together. And it's just womaninthemachine.com. Um, there's so much to it; it's impossible to kind of, you know, I'd, I'd be here for half an hour talking about it alone. Uh, but it would be amazing. It's uh, the factory is owned by Sean Gallagher, actually, uh, and it's. It, I think they're, as in, they're preparing it for sale. As former in presidential former candidate. presidential candidate yeah, yeah, Sean Gallagher yeah, has yeah. a massive rave venue. Yeah. Wow, that is a that is a piece of information I did not think I was going to hear today, Nisha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, is he open to, obviously you guys are doing something in it there. Is he open to, um, you know, letting it out? I know this is probably a conversation we should be having off air. Is he open to like letting it out to people? Is it accessible for events? As I understand it, it's being prepared for sale. Okay. Yeah. Um, perhaps the state could buy it as a giant club. The the national rave. The National Rave, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Well, not the NRA, National Rave Association. So <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that one's taken. Give us yeah. one more thing, um, an outdoor thing that, that you're excited about that's happening. Um, there's a lovely thing which is kind of outdoor and indoor, which is uh, Arash Arish by Brew Theatre. So it's a, it's a piece of augmented or virtual reality. Um, and it takes place in uh, community centres or art centres in uh five Gwaeltacht locations in Donegal, Mayo, um, Galway, Cork and Kerry. Um, and it was, it's a, a piece that was made um, 
uh, for Galway 2020, but wasn't able to be uh, wasn't able to be shown. So we've kind of added a new context in, in bringing these to, to to the to these Gaeltacht places, and it's a beautiful piece of um, kind of Irish Irish and English language poetry and dance and theatre, which you experience on a VR headset. But you experience it on a VR headset while you're standing out on the extreme west or south coast of Ireland with the wind in your face and the salt on your lips. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to experiencing that one. Myself. You know, and that myself, that's, it's kind of an example of, the, of that kind of blended, um, you know, uh, technological or online, uh, online and in real world uh, experiences. Mm. Brilliant. If people want to check these things out, of course, which I'm sure many will want to do, it's brighteningair.com. But before you go, um, Nisha, one of the things that I, um, well, there's a couple of things I want to want to talk about. One of the things that I think is really great about this festival is that even though the context of the pandemic is what dictates to some degree um, the the settings and so on, it, it's not really overarching there. Like there's there's not a lot of stuff that's all responding to the pandemic or art about the pandemic and things like that. And I think that that is a relief for me anyway, because I feel like I don't necessarily want to, um, I don't know what it is about this massive once in a generation event, but I just don't want to hear or see art about it. What, what, yeah. what do you think is behind that? I mean, I guess it's like, you know, I remember at the start of all of this and when the Abbey were doing their like, artists respond to the pandemic when the pandemic was like a minute old. Um, you know, I remember my girlfriend, Sarah, just being like, you know, the, the art made about the pandemic is going to, that is, that is meaningful is going to be made in like five years, you know, not, yeah. not right now. Yeah. And it's, it's when, when you've had time to kind of process everything, everything that's happened and how it's shaped and affected society in the subsequent years, you know, I mean, we're, we're right in the middle of it now. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, I, I think people people really don't. I mean, people want that sense of hope and that sense of brightening air and that sense of emergence. You know, I I, I don't think people right now are interested on in navel gazing about you know how we went on. That's going to be all of our conversations when we get back to the pubs and restaurants. You know, mm. how did you get on? Did you grow your hair long? How did you get on with your sourdough? You know, did you did you manage to get the sea swimming in and all of that kind of thing? Absolutely you know, those, dreading those, all of those conversations yeah, as you I mean, as that, you framed them there. <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's all that's the you know that's the folklore you know that and that's the that's the you know living living culture that we're experiencing at the moment. But you're you're quite right. I think that like the the art, if any, that comes out of this will be will be in years to come. Um, I don't, I don't think I'll be too mad about it to be honest. Yeah, I think people are really looking for you know an escape and a sense yeah. of liberation um, and all, even a fantasy uh, over you know spoken word about Corona and things like that. Um, and one thing that I would like to ask, because this is a conversation that I've been hearing from a lot of people who work in live events, um, is insurance. And the obviously we know a lot about the difficulties with insurance around the cases that uh, certain restaurant or pub like hospitality organizations let's say were taken against the state there was the big fbd thing where pubs couldn't get cover or or, or payouts but then uh, the the court real here ruled that they should um obviously insurance is a huge cost for for large festivals and 
there are certain jurisdictions, Germany, Denmark, the Netherlands, where the government has stepped in and 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 basically kind of, you know, built or, or, or done these kind of insurance funds that will effectively underwrite uh, events or outdoor festivals that may get cancelled. You know, obviously the premise of insurance is that, you know, it's about risk and companies are not necessarily going to want to, you know, give insurance for something that has a high likelihood of cancellation. Um, you are probably thinking an awful lot about that. It is a, ma- a block to the larger events happening, um, irrespective of of public guidelines and restrictions and all that kind of stuff. What's how, how, was that a struggle for you guys, or was it relevant considering that the the outdoor events are very specific? You're not having like loads of people buying loads of tickets. Yeah, I mean, it's just that. I mean, our, our experience, I think, throughout the last 14 months or so has been that insurance, it hasn't been a barrier to us. Right. The, the insurance policies that we've taken out are, you know, they're thereabouts the same the same as they were in previous years. There hasn't, there hasn't been. But I mean, obviously, we're not looking for insurance against communicable diseases, which you can basically can't get anymore. Mm. Um, we're looking for basic, you know, it's it's kind of public liability and employer's liability. So it's it's trips and slips and so on. If you've got a good health and safety team in place and you've got your COVID compliance in, in place, your insurance really shouldn't co- cost that much more. Um, I mean, but but there again, we are dealing with with kind of quite small scale events. It's different when you scale up to big outdoor festivals where the risks are, are, are much more significant. And you're talking about contract risks there as well. You know, I mean, I know that some of the big promoters are um, are changing their, their kind of contracts in terms of what, you know what 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 the cancellation terms are um and i think they're becoming more more uh, uh, more stringent in favor of the promoters and against artists and agents um because the promoters just need that that degree of flexibility because they know that they won't be insured mm. for certain, for cancellations in certain circumstances i kind of think that's f- a little fair enough if the terms aren't too you know if they're not fucking over artists basically yeah yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, you're t- like at that level, you're talking about, you know, really huge artists um, and, you know, really, really big agents, you know, that, that it's that it's fair enough that, you know, if, if you know, if there's a cancellation that, um, you know, you don't get to f- keep your full fee and, yeah. and not, not have to travel and perform, you know. You, um, before you go, you are also, um, as you mentioned, uh, at the top, one of the people who is quite core to a part of Electric Picnic that people love, which is Minefield area. Um what are you obviously Melvin Ben is 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 kind of selling a particular line uh in the UK and Irish media about full steam ahead kind of vibes. Um what are you hearing from that? Do you think it is realistic that Electric Picnic would happen? I mean I I'm not sure it is to be quite honest um because of I don't know. It's just such a short run in time at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't know. I mean, I, you know, you 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 can just about conceive of it happening. Mm. Although it would be a big shock to the system because it would be, you know, probably one of the earlier mass outdoor gatherings, and it's of such a scale, seventy thousand people. Um, but just the run in time, like you know, you need there's five you know five five weeks at least needed on site before that and then there's you know planning planning with leash county council and there's and then there's booking all the acts and and all of that kind of thing i i just wonder when they're i mean i don't know this you know when when they're kind of uh you know go no go point is uh in terms of in terms of dates i mean i i can't i don't think anybody is kind of 
psychologically ready for something of the scale of Electric Picnic at this point in time, but that could change in the next four or five weeks, you know. Mm. And what about the the trials that Catherine Martin has been discussing with regards to large outdoor or and indoor um, events with big crowds that they'll that obviously have been running in other countries and everybody was glued to what was happening in Liverpool the other week with their kind of um, massive electronic music event indoors. Um, kind of anxious looking at it but also jealous <laughs> are you hearing anything about that like what's going to happen with those or do you think we'll just follow the similar patterns that other countries have been doing i'd imagine we'll do something similar i mean i don't think the results of the liverpool event are out i mean melvin ben was on and said that the results looked encouraging but but, but they haven't been published yet so we don't know um the barcelona event which was earlier than that seemed to be seemed to look very positive you know in that i think they picked up five five cases of 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 uh, covid-19 infection after the event but sure like they have no idea you test people five days after the event you have no idea if they picked it up in the interim you know so it's you know the kind of the the, the science of it is a little bit sketchy and i kind of have a feeling that again as you know as the moving target can be a negative thing a moving target can be a positive thing as well in that you know public health guidelines and public health officials may over time become less and less concerned about things that were you know that that we're all concerned about um what do you mean and, by that well just i i think as <clears throat> as the epidemiological situation as they say improves um i think the the emphasis that public health officials will have on certain restrictions in terms of outdoors outdoor events in particular may start to ease and they may start to look at things in a different way. Um, and I think, you know, just as all of this pandemic came kind of crashing in on top of us in a very, very short space of time in, you know, March and April of last year, um, I think the kind of the emergence, uh, the emergence may be kind of exponential and may happen quicker than we, than we even dream to expect, you know? Mm. Now, finally, Nisha, thank you so much for discussing um, all of that. And like Brightening Air really is something when I kind of scroll through that I'm just really excited about. And it just feels also very different, you know, and it feels exciting. It feels like futuristic and it feels um, very... It's not bogged down in the tropes that we've come to expect uh, from particular uh, uh, quarters, which are totally understandable. Like people are just processing the kind of the top line of of, of human experience right now. But this just goes so much deeper and feels uh, much more intriguing. Um, and so, so well done to, to to you, Maria, for pulling that off. It's really, really fantastic. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, when I uh, think of yourself and like the picnic and festivals and stuff like that you know you might be standing there with the gin and tonic in a plastic cup you know uh hassled about the next act coming on or something that has been cancelled and or you know rooting in your pocket for a wristband for someone and stuff like that and and it's really um you know the personification of uh somebody who does this stuff for for a living and it's a it's a beautiful thing to be putting things on for people to enjoy. And so that's what I think when I'm thinking of of, of yourself and picturing yourself in a, in, a, in a festival context. And it's a lovely thing. But I was wondering, 
when you close your eyes and you imagine yourself to be somewhere like that, what are you thinking and, and what are you picturing and what are you feeling? Um, <clears throat> oh, I can't, can't wait to get back to it. You know, I, I, I absolutely love it. You know, I've been doing it for, you know, 25 years working on festivals and it's, it's, you know, as you said earlier on, it's a vocation, you know, I mean, I'd almost do it, you know, without pay. Don't say that um, too loudly, Nisha. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but no, I and I can't. I can't wait to get back. And I, <clears throat> you know, I'm hopeful over the summer. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. There's no cough button. Um, I, I'm hopeful over the summer. We've we've applied, we've applied to uh, to the live performance support scheme, the Department of Culture's live support uh, live performance support scheme. So we're hopeful we might get we might get something out of that, and that we. We've got some plans there and there are some other, you know, there, there will be quite a bit of stuff that will come out of that. So there will be, there will be lots of things over the summer. <clears throat> and I think the department may kind of attach some kind of testing, uh, some test event aspects to, to some of those projects. Um, and I think we just, I think we may, you know, get a bit of momentum and we may get further ahead of ourselves than we than we think we we might do at the moment. Mm, but where are um, you in your fe- festival dreamland? When you're in imagining, when you're when you're imagining, when you're reflecting, where are you? Because I know I picture myself like in particular clubs or you know just kind of daydreaming. Really, what's your daydream? Oh, it's like um, not necessarily at Electric Picnic, but probably in a small a smaller outdoor festival. You know, like a, a body and soul, or a Boris House festival, or a Dawkey Book festival, something, something of a small scale. You know, I mean, I think, I think everyone's a bit terrified of of the prospect of going from being cocooned at home to kind of going out into, you know, tens of thousands of people, big time, uh, and see people. You know, so I think, yeah, I think I need a bit of a <clears throat> need a bit of a transition uh, through through kind of nice, kind of small, humane sized events excellent with lots 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 of lots of chats and wine and food and meeting everybody and just having conversations and laughs with people you know brilliant nisha um brightening air is the festival brighteningair.com um it's happening in june uh the um i've suddenly forgotten the date was it the 11th to the 20th right 11th to the 20th yeah, yeah. Um, so check that out and uh, it's all over Ireland pretty much um, yeah. and, and so uh, pl- plenty of stuff there really really intriguing stuff thanks so much for giving us that insight Nisha under the hood really appreciate it thanks a million Una take care <laughs>